It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. Along with me is new Penn State defensive coordinator, Thomas Frank Carr. Coach Carr, we're, we're talking about your predecessor, uh, Manny Diaz. Now let's talk about things that you're going to do. One of the things that we saw with Manny Diaz was uh, moving Jonathan Sutherland from the safety position to linebacker. And as you explained in the first segment, that's more about the responsibilities are similar, but you had a linebacker who was responsible for a lot of coverage uh, tasks, and now you have a guy in Jonathan Sutherland. Well, he's coming from a safety position, probably more adept at that than your traditional mm-hmm. linebacker. And it sounds like you agree with that concept. What are the other things that you're looking to do with your defense now that you've taken over? So I, I think the biggest def- difference will be up front. In, and, and this is kind of a return to what Brent Pry did. And this is something I've seen from a lot of defenses that play with so much speed on the field. And that is, it's still important to be uh, to be able to stop the run. It's still important to stop the run because you don't want to give teams six yards every time they hand the ball off. Um, and this is maybe more of an NFL concept than it is a college concept because if you're better than the guards, you're better than the guards. And it doesn't matter if you're 269 or if you're 295 pounds, you know, kind of like what Penn State has on their roster. The, the differences in, in body sizes at, at that position. But I would go to a more traditional one technique, uh, defensive tackle and a three technique. Because if you can dedicate one guy to stopping the run, and this is the point about run plays, is that... Uh, if you've got one guy that ruins the interior of the play every single time and he's just an expert at blowing up whatever you're doing, most running plays go to the inside zone. And if you can deny the point of attack regularly and have somebody who is talented there, you you can't just have a big fat guy. You need to have a guy that is a stout run defender that maybe... I think P.J. Mustafer is the perfect example, a guy that's probably not going to give you a ton as a pass rusher, but on every play is going to ruin the day of the offense in the interior. I think that's a very valuable skill if he's the one guy that's stopping the run and everyone else is oriented in attack, 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 attack. It, it, it helps bring a little bit of balance because in you do open yourself up to the Illinois and the, the Michigans of the world that... Um, there can be a game script where you do get run on. You do get worn down. There are bigger and stronger guys that outgap you. You can have those situations, and if you have a pen, an offense like Penn State that isn't going to consistently get you 30 points a game, that matters. You do open yourselves up, so it's about the balance of things. So I would say the the one technique, I would make sure there was a defined one technique, and I would try to find a guy that could still rush the passer from that position, but then my three technique can be free to basically be a defense vent. Like, just get after guys, destroy, get on the, get on the edges of, of guards and get upfield, shoot gaps, whatever you need to do. And then defensive ends, I don't want traditional like 265, 270 run stuffing defensive ends, but I will look for prototypes of that position. Guys who have the length, the strength to control the line of scrimmage 
so that you can have 227-pound linebackers and you don't have to pay for it. I think that's the biggest thing is certain teams run smaller systems, but then they make concessions at other positions and have smaller players there. You do need to have some size. So I would do my best to have a defensive line that has all the size I need, giving me latitude to play the best players in, in the secondary that are, that are emphasizing coverage. So I guess I would, I would try and separate the defensive line from the rest of my defense. Could you explain to you, Frank, how the one-technique defensive tackle lines up versus the three-technique? Sure. So essentially, and this is why it's, it's tough, is that um, you're trying to place your one-technique on the front side of every run, run play in between the guard and center. So he is essentially positioning himself to get double-teamed every play. That allows your three-technique defensive tackle to play outside of the guard, in between the guard and tackle, creating one-on-ones with the defensive end and the, and the defensive tackle on that side. So there are five linemen, four defensive linemen. Somebody has to get a double-team. And you're saying on every play with a one-technique, this is the guy we're going to place in the spot that you should double-team him. Now, that does create the opportunity to be predictable which is why even if you have a one technique you need to have a player like pj mustafer that can get out of his gap he can stunt he can confuse the the defensive line or the offensive line and move his point you can't just have a big fat guy up there that's what i'm saying it's like you need an athletic guy who's 300 plus pounds that rare breed that even if he's not a pocket pusher he has the agility and mobility to play multiple gaps if you if you need him to, but I do want size up there. That's that's what that that one technique is. It's a traditional nose tackle in a four three defense. Okay, T. Frank. Now let's talk about obvious passing situations where Penn State has been using Daquan Hardy as that slot cornerback. Do you agree that that's what you're still going to be doing as you take over? And when he comes in to cover the slot receiver who comes off the field. So this is where you'll look in a broader picture of not just Penn. So I'm not, I, if I have Daquan Hardy, I'm playing Daquan Hardy. That's, I, I'm, I'm doing that. But eventually the goal of this defense is we don't have to substitute unless we want to. And that's what the striker position to me, the ultimate uh, positionless player that I, if I want to, I can drop him into a deep third. I can be as creative as I want to because he has enough speed to play in deep coverage. Uh, he has the ability to play underneath against the run, and he can do a little bit in man coverage if we need him to. So this position is in certain defenses, and I feel like for Penn State it was a transitionary position. I'm recruiting this position to be the star of the defense, essentially. Like if I can find the guy every single time, I'm going to find the guy that can do everything. Think Der Derwin James in the NFL is the guy I keep thinking of when I think of this position. He could be a slot corner in the NFL. He could be a safety. He could even moonlight as a linebacker. And they use him a little bit everywhere, but I would, I would, that's where I would stick him. And I would not change my defense unless I wanted to put three safeties out there. I wanted to put a third linebacker. I wanted to go with a bare front. You know, I'm intentionally sub-packaging to either uh, play against the team I'm playing or to get a certain look that I want. So it's about consistency and it's about finding the best athletes and putting them on the field to succeed. 
the problem in my scheme is that that guy is so rare every year, and he's basically a five-star player every year. How do you continue to find that guy? Which is the nice part about this defense, is if you don't have him one year, you can go back to having a timeshare of maybe a linebacker-like player and a Daquan Hardy who can split those roles. So with Penn State specifically, I'm, I'm playing Daquan Hardy as much as I can and as much as I can trust him on the field in that, co in that run threat situation to have him play as big as he can. But when I find the guy, I'm not, I'm not substituting. And I feel like that's where Penn State was with Curtis Jacobs was he was so dependable in so many situations that Daquan Hardy came in in, in obvious passing situations because that's when the advantage flipped and he was the better player. All right, let's talk about the coverage then. In the typical standard setup, we now have Jonathan Sutherland at linebacker slash safety slash star position, however we want to, our striker position. But in the typical uh, situation, how are you playing the defensive backs? Are you emphasizing man defense? Are you emphasizing zone, some combination? What are you recommending to James Franklin, this is how I want to run my defense. You cannot major in man coverage. That, uh, to me... So, the, the other thing I've always thought about when, when thinking about defense and, and offense in college is there's no salary cap. There's no tenure contract. You've got these guys for three to five years. You need a, you need a system that can easily replace parts. And that is, is not to be insulting, but it's the reality of the situation is I can't hold on to Joey Porter Jr. or Amani Oruerie for eight years of his football career. I've got to go get some guy every single year to replicate the process. So intelligence uh, and, and certain specific skills as a corner, I think those fit well into a zone-heavy system. That and, and no one runs man 85% of the time. That's that's football suicide because it's too hard. Because you make one mistake as a corner and it's a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, so I think mixing in and disguising coverage is the number one thing to do. And that's why you should have a too high look. And again, this is very much more oriented towards the NFL where you can, the field is evenly split. So you can have a three high look and you can play from a base cover three. But in college, everyone kind of floats safeties in the middle of the field, and it's, it's always a two-high look. But I'm saying I'm going to major in cover four and cover two and those two-high shells because I can rotate in and out of that, and I can rotate into a situation where I'm making the quarterback wrong. I can use split-field looks. This is another thing Manny Diaz does that I completely agree with. Uh, man on one side, a zone on the other one coverage on this side, a different coverage on this side, and I'm going to expect my defense, uh, my defensive backs to be smart, to not make mistakes, and to play as a team in zone coverage. So there's going to be a lot of stress on those guys, but they're going to be as good as they possibly can be uh, because that is where you take the advantage to a college quarterback is make that dude have no idea what's coming at him. From a coverage perspective... Uh, with a too high look, you can rotate into cover one, get away with that. You can rotate into cover three. You can go to four. And if I have that striker position, I can move that guy from any part of the field. The field backer can now be the deep safety. The um, the the free safety can be a slot corner. That's the that's the advantage of having these kind of positionless defensive backs, is that anyone can play at any position for the most part, and you can confuse the quarterback. So that is my number one goal is to create doubt in the offense. And I think even in the run game, you can do that as well with with 
you know, uh, bringing guys in from unlikely places and making sure that they're in their position to take a gap or to not, you don't see them coming in a certain way. And finally, T. Frank, Manny Diaz has talked about the best coverage is pressure on the quarterback, which typically comes from your defensive ends. A lot of uh, question marks at that position right now, but should we expect Manny Diaz to bring more people? Are we going to see more blitzing? Yeah, you are. Um, and, and even if so, even even in a situation where he has a good defensive line, he still blitzes a good percentage of the time. More in line with what's I think reasonable, but he'll get pressure no matter what. And that is where the the danger comes in: is you're playing now five defensive backs, where normally you have seven. So you've got to get there. If you're the linebacker and you're blitzing or you're a free rusher, you've got to speed that clock up. If you get caught and there's no pressure, now you're hanging that, that secondary out to dry, which is why I want a flexible secondary with smart players. They won't make mistakes because I look at it the other way. The best way to help your pass rush sometimes is to confuse the quarterback and make him throw before he wants to. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number two. Stick around. We take your questions in quarter three when we ask T. Frank. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.